Thank you for sticking through those commercial breaks. I'm excited to introduce our guest for today. He is a reporter for Cointelegraph. However, he is also, we're not going to hold that against him here, guys. Come on now. <laughs> we had a wonderful time spending time together at Bitcoin Amsterdam. He is a full-blown Bitcoin maxi, has written about Bitcoin, has written against Bitcoin, as well as lives on nothing but Bitcoin. Joe Nakamoto, welcome to the stage. Hello, Q. Hello, Philip. Thanks for having me on. Q, I almost didn't recognize you outside of a, outside of a suit. Um, no, I'm, in my, week, I'm in my normal rolled out of bed attire. <laughs> no, you are a professional. You are a news professional, Q. The washed out look you have is due to your camera, not because you are still recovering from Bitcoin Amsterdam. <laughs> He's still high. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably. Oh man, Joe, wh where are you? You look like you are in a an undisclosed facility, protected <laughs> from the government as they're trying to come after you. Yeah, yeah, you, you bang on there. I mean, the actual story is so much more banal. I was rearranging my apartment earlier and it moved the sofa. It knocked the Wi-Fi cable out the wall and just completely severed it in two. And obviously I panicked thinking, oh no, I've got this really important live stream tonight. What am I going to do? So I, I'm in the local co-working space. If you can hear some crypto bro shilling his new token nearby, then that's just what Portugal's like at the moment. It's, uh... I expect you to excuse yourself if you need to, to go over there and just like shake some sense into him and be like, it's Bitcoin only. Yeah, I mean, honestly, uh, man, I almost live tweeted what he was saying to his in his meeting. He was having a meeting in the open space earlier, like speaking really loudly about his token. And I was like taking notes, like, fuck this guy, man, <laughs> like, fuck his token. And I was like, send, not send, send. And then I was like, my gut was like, no, nah, don't do it. Don't do it. This is probably this, the best this backfire. Yeah. Well, it's great to have you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Honestly, it's like you guys do a great thing. And yeah, you talk some a lot of sense, which is very much needed in this space. So you can't be talking about P. No, I just talk nonsense <laughs> constantly. For our audience, can you give us, you know, a brief history of sort of who you are, how you got into Bitcoin, and what you're focused on right now? Mm -hmm. Sure. So I've been in Bitcoin for far less time than Jemima Kelly, and that's uh... solid, solid, solid. It took less than five minutes for shots to be fired. Let it be. Known. <laughs> Just have to set the record straight, you know. No, I I I worked at Bloomberg's subsidiary. Actually, how far should we go? I'm I'm English, as you can probably hear, and I grew up in the UK. I left the UK when I was like 24. I'm now 29, and I've spent the past sort of five years bouncing around. I always wanted to find a job that allowed me to travel and work and also surf. And journalism seemed to fit the bill. I've always been quite curious. I've always liked the truth, and I've always I've been pretty stubborn about the truth as well. And so that ended up, that's how I ended up working for a Bloomberg subsidiary in uh, sub-Saharan Africa and emerging markets around the world, which, I mean, the word emerging market is kind of a funny one, right? I had this conversation with Ray Youssef in the gym last week in Amsterdam, you know, the guy from uh, the CEO of Paxful. He was like, why are they called emerging? Like, what are they emerging into? What are they emerging from? You know, like what happens post-merge? They're a monster? Like, what goes on there? But yeah, that's a conversation for another time. We had bounced around there for a while, started to realize that Bitcoin was being used in a way that people, you know, say that it's used but it isn't actually used so you know actual peer-to-peer -peer remittance actual peer-to-peer -peer payments and so i started to report on that but obviously i had to write the uh, the mainstream media line which is that you know bitcoin boils oceans and there are way better cryptocurrencies out there that sort of thing and so yeah i, I slowly realized that this is wrong and that bitcoin is way more than what we think it is and this is just the start start of my bitcoin learning journey which is up which was in 2019 and i realized 
quite shortly afterwards, similar to Rizzo and similar to all the other Bitcoin writers that realized that, you know, you can't write about Bitcoin from the inside. You have to jump ship and go work at a pro Bitcoin or a pro crypto publication in my instance to be able to write the truth. And so that led to me eventually joining Cointelegraph, where I still do lots of travel to emerging markets. Like I'm going to Senegal in December and I spent February and March in West Africa researching various pieces. I'm making my pilgrimage to El Salvador finally in November as well, which I'm absolutely delighted about. And uh, yeah, I'm just really passionate about Bitcoin as we all are. I, I wake up, breathe it. You know, I'm always pissing off my girlfriend talking about Bitcoin way too much. We don't quite have a Bitcoin safe word yet, but we might get there one day. She's also a maxi, you know, naturally. We couldn't be together otherwise. But, <laughs> but yeah, we are. Yeah, I'm just, yeah, super passionate about it. And I mean, I speak lots of languages and I also like to, I've realized that written content isn't the best way of getting over to people. So I've started to do video stuff as well. So you might see me doing highly tetrad stuff with a microphone around the world. I just actually uploaded a video from when I was in Biarritz recently at the Surfing Bitcoin Conference, which is a French-speaking Bitcoin conference in France, which is awesome, by the way. You should, you should go. Bitcoin Magazine should. should have, I, mean, I think McShane was there this year, and I can't remember who else was there from Bitcoin Magazine, but yeah, that's where I met McShane for the first time. But yeah, this is me rambling on now, so I'll, I'll hand it back to you guys. No, that was awesome, man. There's so much, there's so much to dig into there. I love the idea of having a safe word with your significant other. <laughs> I, I need one of those as yeah. I learned last night that I, yeah, need. Yeah, it's Cardano. It's, oh no. Something that's so inflammatory that you just like immediately stops you in your tracks, just like breaks yeah. your brain. How dare you say that word in this household? Proof of uh, stake. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. Man, that's, I wanna, that's super. Go ahead. Give sorry. It. I, I was just going to say, I want to kind of spend some time, Joe, talking to you about like how you first started and it wasn't necessarily in this, in the most, dare I say flat, like what you covered about Bitcoin was not flattering about Bitcoin. And you kind of had to have a, a journey of understanding and I think shedding some layers of biases and initial thoughts a lot of other people especially some people that you shared a stage with are not willing to do could we maybe just like discuss like what were those things that you were like no bitcoin doesn't work because of this and then it took you having that experience in africa to then see and shed those biases yeah that's a really interesting way of putting that question so how did I undo my biases? I think it's, I think part of it is getting burnt. You know, we've all been a little bit burnt or rugged by, by shit coins. Like I am like many other Bitcoiners, I, I shitcoin first. There are still some tokens in some shitty wallet somewhere that I can't sell because there's no liquidity because, you know, it's just been completely rugged to zero. So there's the personal experience thing. And then in terms of sort of, you know, I'm a journalist, so I'm all about primary sources and just seeing my driver, for example, which was the example I gave and I often give, he was the first guy to really show to me that Bitcoin works and it's used in this way that we all talk about, you know, censorship resistant money, which I can't say, and money that can't be debased, money that can't be stolen. You know, as long as you've got your seed phrase, then you're, you're set. And this, this guy called Guillaume, he used to be our driver at Bloomberg because, you know, he would drivers to work every day and that was just how it was it, it i wasn't you know very well paid it was just that was the norm you know we, we used to have quite long chats about bitcoin and crypto and he effectively orange pilled me and yeah he uh, the big thing for him was that the government can't steal the money from him whereas they can easily steal the money that's under your mattress or 
the they can debase your currency as they've done with the West African franc or the CFA in the past. You know, Alex Gladstein did this amazing piece about the West African franc, which is like this horrible colonial hangover currency that the French sort of concocted when they gave back power to their, their colonies in West Africa. But basically the, the note is printed and designed in the Elysee in France, which literally means that there's some white guy sat in like some university in France and he's like writing, you know, he's drawing like palm trees and coconuts thinking, oh yeah, this is what we should put on the note in, you know, West Africa. It's like the most like fucked up racist thing you can imagine. And this is still what is on the paper. Oh, I think I've got some actually. Oh, you have I'll to show wallet in a sec and show yeah. you. Like the notes are just like a joke, and and it's just hilarious when you think the fact that they are printed in Paris and shipped over to West Africa. This is just one example of how messed up this whole currency situation is, and it's one of the things that really riles me up about um, money in general. You know, fiat-backed currencies is that yes, in the West we have it kind of bad, but in a lot of emerging markets around the world, it's just, the situation is deplorable, and we must do more to to help people realize you know what is money and why Bitcoin is a money in which we can opt out of the, the current horrible, you know, controlling system. Uh, I forgot on your, oh, no, the point was debunking Bitcoin and crypto. Uh, yeah, so the thing about coin and crypto is, yeah, it's it's evidence-based. Like, you know, Paco de la India, the Bitcoin runner, I, I catch up with him quite regularly. He's the guy that's traveling around Bitcoin, traveling around the world using only Bitcoin. And he's currently on his 22nd country and he's trying to hit 40 countries in 500 days. And there you go, Chris knows him. He's, yeah, he's, he's awesome. So I, I catch up with him regularly just to see what, what his stories are like. And we have quite you know similar interests. And he was saying today that the the Bitcoin community in Africa is massive. And it's one where people realize that Bitcoin is an actual currency. You, know, you can buy a beer with it. You can pay a taxi with it. You can do all these sort of real things. And you're not going to buy your beer with Doge, are you? I mean, yes people do it for like the stunt but it's not like you're going to see like a doge accepted here sticker around the world people are just going to laugh at you and so i think that yeah the fact that it does have this first mover advantage and the fact that it does have this um critical mass of adoption that there's no real going back from that and i just don't see i mean despite cardano's best marketing efforts particularly in africa where there's a huge cardano community i know i've said Cardano about six times yeah no it's it's awful they're like buying up universities and being like oh we're gonna put like your id on the blockchain no shit oh (laughs) Uh, god yeah yeah the guy's a an excellent marketer charles hoskinson whatever his name is yeah he he knows how to build a business but you've got to ask you know why can't we do this all with bitcoin yeah yeah yeah, the answer is you can and should Exactly. Interesting. So I'm curious like, what it was like, uh, you know, I, I've been based back in the US and, you know, I know you and Q, of course, were on the media desk at Coin Amsterdam. And, <laughs> the you know, most the, professional the, media desk you've ever seen. Exactly. <laughs> well, that was the thing. We're I was live? Say, <laughs> we're live? But, but to, to, your, to your guys' credit, like there was all sorts of shit happening behind the scenes. And it came across as like, it was like, obvious, like, yeah, there was like the sign falling down and shit, almost decapitated, you know, Matt O'Dell, you saved his life, no big deal. But you guys had- Odell, you're welcome. Exactly. You guys had amazing rapport, like immediately. It was very funny. You guys were natural. I'm curious what it was like for you, that first, you know, segment on the media desk, and then what it was like for you, what your experience at Bitcoin Amsterdam was, you know, with the panel that you were on later that day. And uh, yeah, just what your thoughts were overall. Nice. Yeah. I mean- I am quite, I'm more starstruck by Bitcoiners than I am by actual celebrities. Like I've interviewed, you know, government ministers and I've interviewed a quite sort of serious people. And then I sit next to Matt Odell and I'm like, oh shit, it's Odell. Like, <laughs> it's like the boy, you know, this is the boy. 
And like Q walks over. I'm like, I, yeah, obviously I know your face. And it's just. I'm so ign- insignificant, but you are kind of to try to flatter me. <laughs> and I see this other guy who is like Q or something. I don't even know what it's short for. But yeah, anyway, Odell is. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't really rinse the podcast, so should I? Keep going. Uh, yeah, Keep so- it going. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah, pretty, pretty like yeah, bowled over sitting next to Adele. I'm like, fucking hell, you know, this is this is fucking cool. And then you realise, oh, I've got to, you know, I'm also here to do a job. We're here on the news desk. We've got to keep things light and keep things interesting and interactive. And I mean, the Bitcoin Magazine team in general is a bunch of Bitcoiners, and it's really easy to connect with Bitcoiners. Let's be honest, it's much easier to connect with those kind of people than shitcoiners or, or fiat people. Not that I should be othering, and I shouldn't be creating groups, but. You know what I mean, right? It's just a, a sort of an instant connection thing. And yeah, in terms of the, the news desk overall, yeah, the banter was was flowing. It was an interesting and quite a funny segment, I think. I think I was definitely flirting with Mills at one point. I, I looked back at the YouTube <laughs> video. I sent it to my girlfriend being like, Lol, is this okay? And she was like, yeah, this is hilarious. Like, do, keep doing what you're doing. And I was like, cool. So, um, <laughs> you know, like we were the the multimedia team, uh, BM Live team, we were like, we did like sort of graveyard shifts to like manage the live stream and everything. So in on the US side, we were watching you guys live on the the news desk. And there's a great shot that I sent to Odell. <laughs> and it was like, Joe, checking out dead ass. Because you were like looking to see the the thing that was about to fall on him. And you were like, mm. but like it looks like you're just like checking out. It was, oh, it was amazing. I'll, I'll send it to you. I'll send it to you. It's, it's a great yeah, shot. Yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, man. So let's, I want to ask one more question about the conference itself. And then let's, you know, let's keep going mm-hmm. and talk about sort of more important, broader topics. But what was it like for the, you know, the, the panel you were on was definitely one of the spiciest panels. Mm-hmm. And indeed. Yeah, yeah. So what was your experience of that? Was it as contentious going into it? Was it contentious coming out of it? You had a great quip in the middle of it. What was your, what was your experience of that panel? Thanks. There's a backstory to this panel that hasn't really been told and it might be worth sharing. It's really the- quickly before, before you do, I just want to fully define, this is the Bitcoin in media panel with Joe Hall, Pete Rizzo, Jemima Kelly, and Isabella. I'm spacing up. Biscuit, thank you. Highly, highly recommend if you didn't see it to watch it. Sorry to cut you off there, Joe. And I'll paste yeah, the link it- again in the chat if you guys are watching. I've actually since rewatched it, not for vanity purposes, but just to check if I was being a dick or not. And because I, I had this horrible panic, like later on when everyone was like sending videos around the, the internet that, you know, I'd been memed and then I'd been gifted. And I was like, oh no, have I like really overdone this? Have I like done something horrible? And I, I watched it back and was like, no, I, like they were awful. Well, not awful, but they were quite rude in that they didn't really let us speak and they kept interrupting us and that sort of thing. Anyway, yeah, the Bitcoin media panel was put together to highlight how the media treats Bitcoin. And I think this the segment that we had, you know, it was a 45 minute segment segment that got extended to an hour because the, you know, the sparks were flying and it was quite controversial. And the, the audio video team apparently were the ones to ask for the segment to be extended because they were enjoying it so much and they were learning A, so much about Bitcoin and B, how, so much about how the media hates Bitcoin. And the premise was to discuss Bitcoin's media problem and why it's portrayed in the way it is. You know, we've all seen the headlines from Bitcoin boils the ice caps to, you know, Bitcoin mining uses more energy than insert medium sized country here, all those sorts of things. And the idea was to discuss that with people that write about Bitcoin on the regular. So you had Jemima Kelly, who's a columnist at the Times. And the reason why I pitched her is because she has written headlines such as there is a moral case against crypto. And you cannot separate Bitcoin and crypto 
it was something about maximalism. Oh, don't believe the maximalists. That was it. You can't separate Bitcoin and crypto. So she's got quite a, a chip on her shoulder with regards to Bitcoin as well as crypto. And she often just bundles them in together. And then you had Isabel, Isabella Kaminska, who has sort of come around to Bitcoin. And she's what Rizzo calls a doom coiner in that she finally understood why we might need Bitcoin in sort of March and April 2020. And now apparently she has stacked some sats, although on stage on Thursday, she admitted that she hasn't bought any Bitcoin, but that could just be amazing no. upset. You know, maybe she's playing us, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you guys did talk about how you lost your Bitcoin immediately in a freak. Uh, it was like a boating accident. <laughs> exactly. We literally all got on one of those. I think we had a ledger sponsored boat tour that just so happened. Every single person who attended it and went on that boat tour, all the boats crashed. Wild. Immediately. It was, yeah. Tragic. But please continue. <laughs> and then, yeah, Rizzo, obviously he was Coindesk. Well, he was mainstream. He was Reuters or something, right? And then Coindesk and then Bitcoin Magazine. So he'd eventually effectively cross the sort of spectrum of maximalism. And there's me who was, you know, Bitcoin, sorry, Bloomberg, and then various other sort of mainstream pitches. And then Cointelegraph, where I'm sort of the in-house maxi, I guess. This is a title that I'm now giving myself, by the way. And the before we stepped on, Jemima backstage said to me, hi, Joe, are you going to be a little bitch to me again like you are on Twitter? So she came out swinging. No fucking way. And I was like, oh, hello. Hello, Jemima. Lovely to see you too. And yeah, she said the same thing to Peter McCormack later on, and he did not like that. Dude, um, so oh that, my God. The that drama. Caused another... <laughs> this is incredible. This is more than I had ever possibly hoped for in terms of yeah, drama. I mean, she, you you didn't hear about confident. the debacle backstage, P? Oh my God. That's so that's bad. not safe for live content right now. Yes, Needless sir. to say, I, I I point blank looked Jemima Kelly in the face and told her, you're being a bitch. Oh, <laughs> I was like, you just, Jesus. All right. Well, you guys had incredible <laughs> aplomb on stage, given that being the introduction or like what happened she, immediately preceding. She was, she was joking on and like, we do have a good enough relationship for her to be able to say that to me and, and me not to like take it personally or seriously. And I was like, oh, come on. Like, you know, what have I done to you on Twitter? She was like, you were liking comments that were critical of me. And I was like, yeah, but you're spouting bollocks about Bitcoin. So, what? <laughs> you know, it's Twitter. Like, please don't censor me putting hearts on, you know, Maxis, you know, sending gifts or whatever. Oh, man. Um, so, yeah. We should and then, be allowed to like whatever our heart desires. Exactly, right? Let me, let me love. Anyway, that was just checking the, the crypto guy is still here. He's still here. So we got cracking with the actual debate after you know things settled we did all our greetings and they were yeah they were feisty and they were ready to go and you know you can see on the video that jemima has a to make you know to every question even if the question isn't pointed at her so it was yeah <laughs> there wasn't much debating going on because ultimately i don't think that jemima's understanding of bitcoin is to the level of say isabella's understanding of the level of my understanding or pete's so we're never we're always going to have a sort of dis dislocated discussion about it it's the same as if you were to put i don't know ben ark on stage with michael saylor you know they're gonna have a really weird conversation right because they have these completely different understandings of what bitcoin is whether it's bitcoin the tool or bitcoin you know the tech or and so on and yeah i think that the best thing we could do pete and i on stage was to keep our mouths shut because the more and more that you know jemima spoke the more and more it became clear to us and to the audience that she was you know not making a lot of sense in that there's a lot of contradictions being said there were a lot of things that she was holding a lot of ideas in her head that were contradictory such as bitcoin is an amazing invention and bitcoin is also a headless ponzi like i mean that just doesn't 
doesn't ring true, at least in my in my sort of understanding of rationale and logic. And yeah, I think you, you both saw it play out. And there was a couple of times when Jemima was trying to sort of put the blame back onto me. That's what led to the creation of this uh, funny sort of segment where she was like, you know, I've been in Bitcoin way longer than you. And I was like, yes, you have. And then she was, and I was like, I do know Bitcoin better than, than she does. And, you know, all you have to do is read her articles to understand, to see her understanding of Bitcoin. And her understanding of Bitcoin shows that, you know, Bitcoin isn't scarce because... <clears throat> It can be copied and forked into all these other coins, which, as we know, is not Bitcoin not being scarce. It just shows that Bitcoin is technology which you can fork. <laughs> it doesn't, you know, there's still millions, oh, maybe hundreds of thousands of nodes all around the world that are confirming the original blockchain. They're not going to go off and confirm BSV or, what you know, Bitcoin Cash or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was quite arduous, and then afterwards we came off stage and everything was all okay, and then Peter McCormack came over, and that's when the sparks flew again. <laughs> Interesting. Well, I will say, despite all that, as someone who did not have to experience any of it, I'm super glad she was there because I think these types of you know, um, let's say I don't want to say controversies, but like that kind of tension is super important for Bitcoin and for the space, you know. So. Props to her for being willing to get on stage and uh, is it fair to say make a fool of herself? Uh, exactly. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. No, I mean, I, I DM'd her afterwards and was like, you know, I admire you for for doing this and for coming down. Like, that was very brave. And, you know, could I do that at a FT or a Fiat conference? Do they do Fiat Amsterdam 2022? Is that a thing? They should um, just so, let go. <laughs> yeah, if so, I am there. Feel free to dunk on me. So that is awesome. But it does go, like, the job was done. It highlighted that the, the media does not, understand and does not want to understand bitcoin and the way in which she sort of contested things and threw it back at us every time showed that she wasn't willing to sort of go a little bit deeper you could be really cynical and say okay is this the uk's next peter schiff is this going to be jemima's brand and she's going to play off that and she's going to get a name in, in the space as being like the you know the the baddie in 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 the uk for bitcoin adoption which would be quite a smart play right you know people have have made brands off worse things Hey guys, this is Q from Bitcoin Magazine Live. As the world moves increasingly towards the mainstream adoption of Bitcoin and other digital assets, Moon Mortgage will make it possible to materialize your assets in real estate. Through the collateralization of mortgages with Bitcoin and other digital assets, Moon Mortgage will be launching lending solutions to allow investors to easily leverage their assets to purchase investment in owner-occupied properties. Moon Mortgage's crypto mortgage will be launching soon for home buyers in Texas, Florida, and Colorado, and will be open to investors in most states across the U.S. for investment properties. Welcome to the future of mortgages. Visit moonmortgage.io today to register your interest and learn more. Moon Mortgage Residential is registered with the NMLS under number 235334. This podcast is brought to you by our sponsor, BitMEX. BitMEX is one of the biggest supporters of the Bitcoin space in the last decade, actively donating to developers and putting out some of the most cited research articles. What you might not know is that BitMEX recently launched a brand new spot exchange and mobile app that takes the experience of buying and holding to the next level. We know that, especially in uncertain market conditions, you need an exchange that is trustworthy and innovative. Sign up at BitMEX.com today, check out the BitMEX blog for some great market insights, and stay tuned to our podcast for more from their team. If you're like me and want to gain a deeper understanding of what's going on within the Bitcoin market and broader macro environment, you need to subscribe to Bitcoin Magazine Pro today. 
There's both a free and paid version of this daily newsletter where our market analysts break down what's going on in the markets so you don't have to. Subscribe today at BitcoinMagazinePro.com. Not sure. Yes, I, I kind of want to unpack just like a little bit of, I guess the narrative Jemima kept pushing was this idea that, you know, Bitcoin has no real real world use cases. And I think you are a perfect example and you, you attempted at least, as did everyone on that panel, as did everyone afterwards in that huddle up with McCormick and others, try to convince her to see that it, there is a level of privilege in which we get to make that claim and, and say that, well, I don't need to use Bitcoin, so therefore it is useless. Hmm. How much of this do you prescribe to just being ignorance versus an unwillingness to learn? I made that exact point on stage. I said, do you not think that you know one of the reasons you don't get Bitcoin is you, you, you will never need it? And it's true. She, she might be able to live her, and lots of people will be able to live their entire lives without needing Bitcoin. Lots of people do. And, and that's absolutely fine. And we've got to be okay with that too. Like Bitcoin is for everyone and also Bitcoin doesn't give a fuck. So <laughs> I think part of the reason why is that she's never going to get on a plane to, I don't know, Zambia or somewhere and realize, oh shit, this government is awful. Oh, the Bitcoin is the lifeboat for me. You know, we're, we're all bleating this on a daily basis, aren't we? Saying, you know, fiat's going to zero and that Bitcoin's the lifeboat and, you know, get off zero and all these things. But for lots of people, they're perfectly happy living in fiat world and having their fiat salary and having their fiat pension and having you know their diversified investments into all sorts of stocks and shares and ETFs and indexes, index funds. And I, I mean, I used to be like this and that's how I used to live my life. And I found it really quite tiring. And now all you have to do is have a certain amount of Bitcoin and just focus on that number each month. It's a lot more freeing, I think, to live the way that, that we do or I do as opposed to the, the fiat lifestyle. But you, you just wonder what's the touch point that's going to con not convert these people, but open up their eyes. You know, in Canada, we had the, the trucker protests. I'm trying to think of the more recent ones. In, you know, the Netherlands, there was the farmer protest, but there wasn't really much of a Bitcoin angle to that. And obviously, we've got Kanye's <laughs> accounts being frozen, which is sort of an American touch point, right? I wonder if there's going to be a, a Bank of England thing, which happens similarly, where some figures, bank accounts will be frozen and they'll realize, oh, maybe I need some Bitcoin for this. So I don't know. I mean, Nigel Farage is certainly coming around to it, which... Is not surprising given his stance on freedom and, and those sorts of things, but he's also quite disliked. It was also quite funny is, is that Jemima Kelly, Jemima Kelly was fanboying Nigel Farage afterwards. That, that I was that I did not have my playbook for the day. I thought that would be the other way. I thought that would be more of a critique than a the fanboy. Sort totally of thing. interesting. Yeah, it was, yeah, really bizarre. Bitcoin interesting. Always surprising. I want to get your thoughts on just you know this idea that. While Bitcoin can be for everyone, there is a certain image that when you have, I think, Nigel Farage coming around to Bitcoin, and then you have the likes of people like a Ted Cruz in America, who is also a very conservative political figure, mm -hmm. like you start to see, and I'm not trying to ignore other prominent people who are sort of take an, an opposite political stance on issues than these two individuals I've listed. But there seems to be this growing sentiment that Bitcoin has a conservative skew or bend. How much is that going to be in a hurdle for mass global adoption? Because ultimately, Bitcoin is meant to be for everyone, not just people who want freedom, but even for those who don't believe in freedom. Bitcoin is mm. also for you, yeah. as fucked up as that sentence sounds. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think it's only natural that those towards the right of the political spectrum would take this tool and run with it quicker, or those that believed in smaller state or the smallest state, i.e. anarchists. You know, we, we saw that with the anarcho-capitalists first who saw this Bitcoin thing and realized, oh, brilliant, this is a perfect way to organize our societies. And then we had the freedom lovers, you know, the, the sort of right of the political spectrum. And I think it's a real risk that we can only sort of, that Bitcoin might only appeal to that sort of smaller subset of society. So we've got to be really careful to make sure that the message Bitcoin is for everyone does get out there. And I know that Bitcoin doesn't have a marketing team and that we're all technically part of it at the same time. It's one of those weird conundrums of Bitcoin. But yeah, that there needs to be more done so that, you know, lefties, progressives, environmentalists, you know, all these um, social groups realize that Bitcoin makes their lives better too and makes society's life better. We are seeing some progress in this regard from people like Peter McCormack. I know that he's doing a lot more with progressives and he's getting a lot more of those on his podcast. And it is, I think, the biggest Bitcoin podcast out there. But like, I don't know. I, I don't know exactly where I put myself on the spectrum because it depends on who I'm talking to. Like if I'm talking to Americans, I'd probably come across as like some like super lefty. But in the UK, I'm like, when it comes to people, I'm very left. When it comes to economics, I'm quite right. So yeah, there's no there's no one party that really appeals to me. But I do, you know, worry that the big names in the space, you know, you mentioned Ted Cruz, like obviously he's, you know, Republican and like classic sort of Republican figure as well. You know what I mean? Like he's he's quite like an alpha sort of type. And it's same with Michael Farage. You I wouldn't know? call him a classic Republican. Oh, okay. I would I mean, call. Sorry, I would call I'm, I'm throwing Brown my aspersions onto American politics. No, that's fine. Oh, dairy. I just, I just don't like fucking dairies. I, I just, <laughs> he's a spineless twat. <laughs> Okay, but yeah, with like Nigel Farage as well, like a highly divisive figure. Yeah, you know, the, the media hates him, and yet he has an, like a, a huge sort of fan base. So yeah, it, it would be really cool if some <laughs> absolute communist came out and was like, ah. Oh, I love Bitcoin. Bitcoin is the perfect tool for uniting the left. Like, wouldn't that be like the, some weird sort of twist of events? But it would also make people realize, oh, wait, this tool is like completely apolitical. It's just yeah. money. Money should be apolitical. And, you know, if we were to run with this, then you know, not just society, but like human flourishment would benefit. So, yeah, it's a, it's a really valid point. And I mean, how can you remedy that? I guess you look for the influencers and the, the big names, the leadership in the left and be like, yo, can, can I orange pill you? So maybe, maybe we should do that. I'm just I'm here for it. Here. Yeah, I'm here no. for it. <laughs> I can't, I can't, I, I'm not going to pretend I can contribute to that conversation, but uh, I support you in it, Joe. <laughs> Thanks, man. You're incredibly eloquent. Just send me some sats. Or I'll, I'll, I'll give it a go. <laughs> Let's fucking go. I will say like, I feel like I'll say this and then YouTube will, cancel our channel so oh. if, if i do i'm sorry but db did tweet these things talking about how like if the taliban oh, really uses i'm kidding go ahead. No, that was a great time to do that i thought that was what youtube we... doing that like instantly i was like mm -hmm. wow youtube censorship is like next level <laughs> on point but yeah no if, like it, yeah, you should say it it's important a certain if a certain organization based out of the middle east were to be using Bitcoin for, for something as a legitimate use case, our CEO has set, openly said, like, we would invite them to speak at a Bitcoin conference because wow. ultimately it is like it is a real life example of using Bitcoin. And Bitcoin is meant to be for everyone. We see in real time the countries that are more rapidly understanding and figuring out ways to adopt and use Bitcoin are countries that are deemed by Western media as the enemy. 
You have El Salvador as like this failed experiment and a dictator running the show using Bitcoin like bad guys. You have Russia and Putin now accepting international trade in Bitcoin and they've already been deemed as the bad guys. You have Iran that's always been under sanctions. They use they now accept Bitcoin for international trade. Mm. They're the bad guys. You, COVID too. Are, COVID accepts Bitcoin apparently. Exactly. See? I heard that. I did hear see, that. CNN is our source for that, uh, and Fox News now apparently. Oh, it's breaking all over the all over the place. So COVID now does accept Bitcoin. If you if you just buy and hold a little bit of Bitcoin, actually, I don't think I can say. I think we will genuinely get. <laughs> you, won't get yeah. you won't get COVID. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say that. You're about to, you're about to get your ass banned, and by by you, yeah, I mean us. Yeah, are you double stacked? Yeah, I'm, I'm double stacked. Yeah. I'm not <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're definitely getting this channel pulled today. God damn it. Contain yourself, Q. Let's talk about what it's like living on a Bitcoin standard. Like, what what are your? How is that? How long have you been doing that? First of all, oh man, it's hard. <laughs> Do you want like the, the the marketing thing of like ah? Bitcoin's yes, give us give us the or... first of all define for our guests or for our audience, I should say, what it means to live on a Bitcoin standard. Then give us the marketing pitch where you're like, oh my god, it cures cancer. It's the best. You know, I'm Never fertile. And then exactly, and then give us the real take and be like, that was all lies. Here's here, here's the real deal. Alrighty. Okay. So why, what, what do I define as a Bitcoin standard? I would, well, I'm, I just see it as just don't hold fiat. It's, it's pretty, does it says, does what it says on the tin. So I get paid in Bitcoin and all I hold is Bitcoin and all I spend is Bitcoin. And I've been doing it now for a year and three, four, year and four months, something like that. It was, it was summer last year when I just went all in. Not the best time to go all in, I guess, but maybe it was the best time to you know the, the future me in 10 years time who's like that was a great time to do it so you know maybe this will look good in hindsight and i did it because i wanted to follow my convictions and i was like you know what i'm i'm young enough i really believe in this thing and why bother with fiat you know if it's going to zero if it's going to zero anyway then what's the point of carrying on with this thing and and even taking up mental space like the idea that oh i've got to deal with bank accounts and that sort of thing that's not to say that i've closed my bank account by the way i do still have a bank account i I have two because sometimes I have to accept international payments as well, which is really annoying because you're like, there is literally Bitcoin for this. <laughs> it's like the primary use case, but that, that still does happen. What were the other questions? Sorry, P. I've got lost there again. So you define sort of what it means to live on a, on a Bitcoin standard. I mean, I was joking, but I was saying like, give us the like glowing, like magical pitch, you know, like I can fly, I can see through walls, but you can, you can leave that out. The joke is already, the, the bit's already played out. But what is that actually like? Like, how does that how do you navigate that on a day-to-day basis? What are some of the challenges you experience? And what are some of the, the surprising positive things that you've experienced on that? Mm. Okay, sure. So I can only see through like dresses, so not quite walls, but it's still a pretty good, pretty good trick. And the things that I really like about it is that it's simple and I don't have to, in a space where all we do is talk about money and investments and things, I don't have to talk, I don't have to think about money and investments and things. I just focus on how much Bitcoin I'm going to have at the end of the month and make sure it's more than I had at the end of last month, which is one of the basic tools or skills of personal finance that no one actually teaches you when you're growing up. Like no one tells you how to save. Like maybe your parents did if, you know, your, your family were, were good like that. But a lot of people learn about personal finance in their 20s, 30s or, you know, a lot later. 
And it, it just boils it down to a very, very simple lesson, which is great. And which means that I can focus on my passions and my hobbies a lot more, which coincidentally are Bitcoin, but that doesn't matter. And then on top of that, the other stuff that sort of surprised me is how reticent people are to accepting Bitcoin. So, you know, like you'll go to split the, the bill at the end of the, a dinner or, you know, a bar tab or whatever. And usually I'm just like, oh, do you mind if I pay you in Bitcoin for that and you pay in fiat? And a lot of people... It's probably because I hang out with Bitcoiners, but a lot of people are like, yeah, sure, let me just send you the sats. And if it's their first time, they're like, oh, I don't know about that. And before you know it, you've set them on their orange pill journey and they've downloaded a lightning wallet and you've sent them some sats their way. So that's you know, sort of an unexpected, pleasant surprise about being on a Bitcoin standard is that you are forced to orange pill people because <laughs> it's your survival is dependent on your ability to orange pill those in your immediate area or those that you transact with most. On top of that, you know, it's led to me orange billing my landlord, which is kind of cool. So I pay my rent in Bitcoin. The other positives, I don't know. I just find it's quite freeing. I feel quite comfortable and quite happy being this way. I, I don't want to, I don't, I wouldn't want to go back to being on like a fiat standard with Bitcoin. I also don't have to deal with exchanges anymore, which is quite nice. You know, the whole thing of like, oh, sending to cold storage and all that kind of thing. It's like, well, I get sent Bitcoin to me and that's mine. And then I get to do with it what I will. I know that sounds like a really minor thing, but there was a time maybe two years ago when I had like seven different exchange accounts. <laughs> and we all know now that they're all going to get doxxed at some point. So that's not other positives to living on a Bitcoin standard. I mean, hey, it's no, no KYC Bitcoin, right? Isn't that the holy grail of Bitcoin? I don't need to mix my coins or anything. You get a lot of really cool sort of rewards programs from people like BitRefill. I wouldn't be able to do this, by the way, without businesses like BitRefill and the Bitcoin company and Coin Corner and all of these businesses that make it easier to interact with the fiat rails with things like gift cards. So like Uber, they take Bitcoin technically because they accept gift cards for Bitcoin. Same with Adidas, H&M, Glovo, which is a European sort of food delivery app, Ikea, just moved into a new flat, so that was kind of useful. All, all of these sort of big name brands, they do have some sort of interaction with Bitcoin, which is kind of cool. I think that's it for like positives that I can think of immediately. There might be some like subconscious or more deeper one that I haven't realized, you know. Maybe I am a better surfer because I'm on a Bitcoin standard, but no one's told me yet. I would love it if that was true. Uh, <laughs> uh, and Specifically yeah, in, your, in your timing of catching the wave, that's improved because you don't worry with the fiat nonsense, right? Exactly. exactly. The math think, checks out there. Yeah. But seriously, like in my personal life prior to Bitcoin, I would have I would have spreadsheets upon spreadsheets. I get quite like into the data and get quite nerdy about it. But I was like trying to work out which stock to pick and which tracker to go with and all this crap. And I realized that it was taking up so much mental headspace. Like initially I was doing it once a month then I ended up doing it once a week. And, you know, you keep track of all these things and, and you're like, why am I doing this? Like, why am I forced to try to make my money work for me when all I have to do with Bitcoin is earn it and don't spend as much as i earn it's so simple like anyone can do it so i just don't get yeah why 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 you wouldn't be up for it obviously yeah the acceptance thing is an issue bit of a <laughs> bit of a hurdle but it, it, it is getting better with time there are more and more merchants accepting bitcoin and i am not shy to orange pill people as people around me will attest to <laughs> i think also joe I want to bring up the story of like when I ran into you just two days ago, when you were wandering around Amsterdam and you were talking about how, oh, I went to this one shop and they accepted Bitcoin the last time I was here, but yeah. then they no longer accepted Bitcoin. Yeah, fucking not going to make it, honestly. <laughs> so what was, was... It? What, what was the store that we're canceling in Amsterdam now, just for our audience? <laughs> so yeah, I bumped into you and you had 
14 joints out your mouth and a couple of edibles in your hand and <laughs> just throwing you under the bus here. And yeah, I wanted to spend a day like spending Bitcoin at all the places that accept Bitcoin just to be like, high five guys, keep, keep doing the Lord's work. And I also wanted to like make some YouTube content while I was there and be like, you know, you can you can live off a Bitcoin in Amsterdam as Plaid Music, shout out to Plaid Music, had demonstrated with his 48 hours in Amsterdam Traveler Guide, which is of course on this channel. Why am I shilling your channel? Can't help myself, can I? And uh, <laughs> subscribe down below, guys. If you're listening to the podcast, hit that subscribe button. You got it. And uh, yeah, I went to these places to be like, you know, I want to spend some sats here. The first place I got to, it's called like Cut Hair, hair Barbers. And one, it was one of those places where you get your hair cut and also have a whiskey, you know, kind of like cool and hip and millennial-esque. And I talked to the waitress. She was like, no, no, we don't accept Bitcoin. We haven't accepted Bitcoin for six months. And I was like, ah, but it says on my map here, which lists all the Bitcoin locations, the accept Bitcoin. And I was like, can I tip you in Bitcoin? You know, can I send some sats your way? And she's like, why would you do that? And I was like, why not? <laughs> it's free money. And she's like, no, I don't want that. And I was pretty tired. And it was the, you know, the day after three days of conferencing quite hard. So I was like, oh, fuck this, you know, left and went to the next place and uh, found a couple of places that were listed as question mark to Bitcoin adoption and went in there and, uh, you know, did my best attempt to be charming and, you know, pleasant to talk to. And yeah, they let me pay in Bitcoin there. So that was kind of cool. But then after that, obviously I bumped into UQ and uh, relayed this story. And then after that, I bumped into Pleb Music of all people. And we did a video where, which might be out in, in the next couple of months, depending on how busy I am. But we tried to send Bitcoin, like 15 euros of Bitcoin to random people on the street by just being like, yo, what's up? Do you want some free money? And the responses were scandalous, you know, borderline shocking. People were Wait, give, not give us a taste. Like what, what kind of <laughs> like one dude was like, basically like, go fuck yourself. He, he just wanted to troll us. It was quite funny. Like, you know, he was holding a microphone up and he just like put his fist in Max's face. and was like, what do you think about this? And Max was like, well, I love it because I, I, I really like Bitcoin. You know, it's just like being like very honest and innocent. And eventually the guy was like, hmm next time learn dutch and we were like oh, who is this guy so hopefully that one makes the cut it depends on what videographer reckons there was one ethereum maxi which was quite funny to walk into because we we're like you know can i show you how the lightning network works it's like ethereum but it actually works like it's you know just like gentle trolling you know but she uh, she was having none of it and like walked off and was like you know ethereum to the moon woo vitalik and unicorns and stuff and then we managed to give out some Bitcoin, but it was mostly to tourists. The Dutch people we spoke to were like, it's a scam, like sod this. And yeah, so I think the running theme was that those that traveled or those that were visiting Amsterdam for the weekend were more open to the idea. I don't know if that's because when you travel, you open up your horizons and you're just more curious about life in general, or if it's just the fact that these guys just had more time on their hands and were happy to talk to, to let's be honest, quite random, weird looking blokes stood in a park offering free money. I find every time I do these videos that it's kind of weird because you're trying to do something cool. You're trying to be like, oh, like here's some free money. And people are just naturally a bit suspicious of this like weird dude who's giving out Bitcoin. So yeah, there's a lot to be done <laughs> in terms of Bitcoin adoption, Bitcoin's marketing, Bitcoin's you know, presence, all these things. We're, we're in a bubble, guys. We're in a bubble. <clears throat> I think that's a really interesting point. The bubble that we really, often sometimes for the sake of keeping our what we say intact, keeping our mentality sort of at peace, we, we refuse to accept that people outside of this immediate Bitcoin bubble see the world the same that we do. 
Hmm. When in fact, we are very much a small fraction of the minority of the population, but we surround ourselves with like-minded folks. I wonder, like I force myself to go out and deal with normies. I think it's an important exercise. When you force yourself? What do you mean by that? Like I will watch mainstream news. Oh, I see. I like I will I will take the time. I switch off every day for 30 minutes. It's a different news program, a different channel. But like I will I will ingest what mainstream media and normie culture, if we will, wants to perpetuate for the sake of at least understanding that perspective because it's really important because otherwise this just becomes an echo chamber of a conversation. Mm. I wonder if either of you guys have a hard time I think buying into some of the narratives outside of the bubble that we find ourselves in at times. Mm. Wait, wait, is the question, do I think mainstream media is bullshit? <laughs> sure, you can, you can interpret it as such. I mean, we talk about this like, you know, two hours a day, every day. You should know do my we? opinion. Yeah, we do, we do. Yes, really? 100%. I don't I think mean, you've ever shared your opinion. I feel like all you've done <laughs> is equivocate and say, well, I haven't really, I don't know enough to make a strong enough <laughs> Fuck that awesome. noise. No, man, I mean... Like, I think there's always a danger of otherizing, you know, groups in the sense that it can sort of allow us to kind of hide our own failings or not, you know, look at ourselves in the mirror and challenge ourselves. But at the same time, no, I think mainstream media is like, it's like fucking Charlie Munger says, right? You show me the incentives, I'll show you the outcome. And this is the case for every media outlet, but you have to understand where the incentives are. If you show me the incentives, I'll show you the outcome. And mainstream media is designed primarily to support dominant cultural narratives while selling as many, you know, advertising spots as possible. And I think other media outlets are are more focused on trying to thrive within their niche. And I think that most Bitcoin, if not all Bitcoin focused media enterprises, because they're focused on Bitcoin, because that's part of their mission statement, their brand, they're still trying to do the same thing, right? Make no mistake. Like everybody is trying to be a profitable, successful business within the space that they're occupying, the niche that they're occupying. But I think that the subject matter is important. And as a general rule, I distrust mainstream media profoundly. And you guys got it way worse now in America. I always get, I mean, I, I don't watch American news. Maybe I should start doing that. That would be quite eye-opening. But I always feel that American news is even more sort of extremified, if that's a word. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. I will never forget when I was in high school, my dad like explained how on a family trip to Mexico somewhere, he just like popped on the news and was like, wait, what? Like the Mexican news programs aren't trying to like fear monger me into like making me think World War Three and or the next global famine or the next global plague is is just around the corner. It's like that that that's the carrot they dangle for the American audience. So I will agree that US media in particular has a fear-mongering bend that and I talk about this a lot, it really falls under one of four categories and that those are the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Like they really try to cater to that audience. It it's every news station, it's the same stories for for one reason, one reason only, to scare a certain subset of the population that the end of days is here and you should watch us because we were the ones who told you about this potential apocalyptic event happening first. Wow. Sounds fun. I mean, I'm coming to the US soon. Maybe I'll just, you know, sit down. Why are you leaving Portugal? Why would you Come do that? Come through Nashville. 
Well, this this is it, right? No, it's the going to Pacific Bitcoin to, to cover it. Oh, nice. Um, we'll hang out some more. We'll smoke. Yeah, more. are you going to be there? Uh, it's in my backyard. Oh, of course, California based. Wait, when you say backyard, you mean like because your backyard I mean, is probably is probably bigger than Portugal. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, my backyard is the beach, so like not literally my backyard, but like just Flex. just a few miles, few miles up the street. Oh wow, that sounds amazing. I mean, my backyard is also the beach. I, I should... <laughs> Flex. Yeah, <laughs> this is the reason I'm. Pete, what's your that. backyard? Definitely not the beach. It sucks uh, to be you, yeah. man. Yeah, where, where are you yeah. based, Pete? Nashville, Tennessee. Oh no, oh, it's a Bitcoin country. Yep, 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 yep. Cool. Deep, deep Bitcoin country. Oh uh, yeah, that's good. That's good. We got Bitcoin Park here, Bitcoin Magazine, Music City, all that jazz. That's yeah, right. yeah, and and block clocks, right? That's the main thing. That's right. <laughs> that's what Nashville is known for: block clocks. <laughs> far as the eye can see joe bitcoin is taking you to loads of different places what is one place that may not be on the front of people's minds where you're like this was the best hidden gem that mind you you're talking to mainstream media so this will no longer be a hidden gem so maybe give us your second best hidden gem so your best hidden gem can still be hidden I was going to say, yeah, because I've got to report on these things anyway, right? And the reason why I go to these places is because I hear like a rumor and I'm like, oh, well, why don't I just fly out there and check it out? Like I'm quite a hands-on old school reporter. I mean, a lot of news nowadays is made by just some dude seeing a tweet and re reblogging it into a story. And I'm very guilty of this because that's, you know, just how it works. And we've got to that's hit our what targets. That's we do. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you the guys that are stealing my content? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> At least You're welcome. I just I opened Joe's Joe's Twitter page and I'm like, all right, what are we gonna talk about today? <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't tweet on my stories, so just go on my author profile. That'll help you out more. Oh, dope! Thank yeah. you, bro. <laughs> You're welcome, bro. Yeah, but no, the Bitcoin Magazine Twitter Twitter and socials are so much more on it than the Coin Telegraph socials are. You know, like we'll we'll post something like you know this happened the other day with the Nigel Farage interview where he said like I'm a hodler and eventually it'll become legal tender. And the Bitcoin magazine, well, your social media account was instantly like, you know, Nigel Farage says Bitcoin's become legal tender. And, and obviously that gets way more like uh, traffic than the original article. And I'm like, why doesn't our social media team do this? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, no, you, you're doing a good job of it. Bravo. And I, and I mean, you know, the best ideas are stolen. Isn't that, isn't that thing about painters? I, I don't know where that expression There are no such thing as original ideas. That's it. Mike Germano got mad at me when I said that. Oh, really? He's like, that doesn't make you original for saying that. Oh. <laughs> Fair. So, um, yeah. Sorry. I have a non Bitcoin related question. What do you do when you're not thinking no about problem. writing it? A... What? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Same question to you, P. Yeah. What do I do when I'm not uh, talking about Bitcoin? Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I, all sorts of random shit. I always have random hobbies Eating right shoes. now. Eating shoes, sure. Chickens. I'm building a, I have a rabbit hutch and a chicken hutch, and I'm going to be warming Same. them through the winter with uh, some ASIC miners. So that'll be exciting. So figuring out how to do that. Oh, it's going to be like poyo feed, but like ASIC poyo feed. Exactly. They, they get heat. Off, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be like that. You know, all sorts of random stuff. It all comes back to Bitcoin. I'm not going to lie to you. It's always just, there's like, it's like, you know, two to three hops, Kevin Bacon style before it's back to Bitcoin. <laughs> that's, that's all I am. It's my entire personality. Okay. Uh, wait, so what, what do I do outside of Bitcoin? Yeah, I, I guess I was asking, like, what are some of your, what do you do when you're not thinking about Bitcoin? What do you do when you're not writing about Bitcoin? What do you, what do you do for fun? Yeah, sure. I love to surf. 
and I'm, I really like big waves, hence why I came to Portugal. I really want to get into proper big wave surfing, but and I thought this was the winter to do it. But and yeah, to, to pay for like an actual big wave course where you do like you hold the weights underwater and you like hold your breath for like two and a half minutes and you eventually end up in Nazare where you get towed into like the big waves. It's like on my bucket list and I'm preparing myself to it, but it's a mental battle more than a physical battle. So every time it gets a bit like on the cusp of my comfort zone here, I yeah, I get I go out there anyway and I send it and I always come back like, Yeah, that was totally worth it, but oh my god, I think I'm gonna have nightmares about how long hours held down there so that's what i like to do I, I also love i mean this is classic millennial chat but i love to travel you know i love i love experiencing new cultures and new things but i genuinely really do and i i always try to see it through the eyes of a local which is again the classic millennial thing live like a local you know you're a piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> you're airbnb and yeah yeah exactly yeah <laughs> secretly secretly i'm just in a hotel somewhere being like yeah take a photo and then go home but no and so i'm learning i'm improving my portuguese i actually got in, invited on a brazilian podcast shout out to bitcoineros which is the biggest sort of portuguese speaking channel as i've also realized that in order to make bitcoin you know the thing around the world oh shit we've gone back to bitcoin i've kevin bacon myself i've kevin bitcoined <laughs> oh no it, it literally is i'll allow it i'll allow it but watch yourself counselor yeah, <laughs> shit. Yeah, I, I've, I've always loved languages, though. This is pre-Bitcoin. And I always wanted to be like a polyglot, like speak several languages. And I'm now at four. I mean, my Portuguese isn't like that, that amazing. I can't write in it very well. But I'd like to be able to do podcasts like this in Brazilian Portuguese, which which I can do right now. But I'll only be able to talk about either fo football or Bitcoin, because that's all I talk about with taxi drivers in Portugal when we're driving along, because every taxi driver in Portugal knows football. And when they hear about Bitcoin, they, they've got loads of questions. So if there's a, an orange pill taxi driver, I've done it again. I've done it again. <laughs> oh my God, this is terrible. This you're, is you're, terrible. you're doing fine. It's okay. It no takes practice. It's just like holding like, your breath underwater. Orange, orange yeah. pill therapy is terrible. <laughs> you have no personality. It's, it's yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you're talking to two guys who also don't have any personality. Yeah. fiat goes to zero and your personality goes to zero in, in the bitcoin space jesus so is that what fiat gives you a personality probably yeah it's, it's the weirdest turn in this conversation <laughs> I mean, i'm just trying to not say the b word right now i'm, I'm trying to see we can, if I can, we can embrace it we can say the b word we're here we're doing it's bitcoin magazine live let's do all right it. see at least at least i have the strongest will of the three of us you do you guys just immediately took it back to bitcoin absolutely so in the on the topic of Bitcoin, however, Joe, there was an awesome video that you put out, I think a couple of months ago now, where you were paying with a bolt card, I believe, via the Lightning Network, while at the same time, someone was trying to pay with, I believe, a MasterCard on the credit card payment details. Yeah. And the Lightning Network was accepted and approved faster than the credit card payment. Like we don't need to, I think, list over all of the benefits of Lightning, but I would like to know when that shopkeeper saw that transaction happen faster, understanding the benefits of, oh, now I don't, on top of that, I don't need to give my two and a half, three percent kickback to the banks involved. Like, why wouldn't I accept this? Like, what was that interaction really like? Hmm. I mean, the, the shopkeeper, bless her, she she had no idea what was going on. I, uh, you know, you know that in the shops, it's it, it's places that accept Bitcoin. There's often like the merchant or the owner who's passionate about it. It's like mega orange pilled, and he's just told his staff who are just there to do their job and go home, and they just see it as you know this is my nine to five. This is it. It might be a stopgap, whatever position they're in. And it's like okay, from next week we're accepting Bitcoin. It's this terminal, and when someone says, "Can I pay in Bitcoin?" You turn on this terminal, and it was literally like that for her. So. 
when I was like, hey, can I buy this pasty? It was in a bakery in Gibraltar. Can I buy this pasty? And well, can I buy two of the same pasties? And one of them is going to be paid in fiat money. She was like, what's fiat money? I was like, oh, shit. Okay. Can one of them be this terminal? The other one be the Bitcoin terminal. And I'm going to pay for them at the same time. And would you mind holding the camera while I do it? And she was like, yeah, all right. I was like, I'll give you a good tip. Don't worry. And yeah, she was, she was, she was down for it. So her reaction was yeah, not, I think she's just more like bamboozled. Like what, what is this bloke doing? But I get this. Move, move on kid. Like yeah, I yeah. got work to do. Yeah, yeah. It was just genuinely one of those, but the actual, the other hand in it is the franchise owner. So it's a guy um, called Neil who owns lots of franchises in Gibraltar and he was trying to roll out lightning and he now has these statistics on what lightning does for business. You know, like how El Salvador is kind of this testbed for what it means to accept Bitcoin as a, a merchant and what that means for your revenue and what that means for your business moving forward and then the projections you can make from that. Well, he's doing a similar thing in Gibraltar. And so I think he would be a good guy to ask, you know, what does this mean for your for your business? But she was, yeah, pretty nonplussed about it. But that but that video went mega, like for Twitter, it went mega viral. It's like got over 600,000 views, which for like a, a little Twitter video, which I literally just did on a whim and thought, ah, fuck it, let's do this and see what happens. See if fiat is actually quicker. And bear in mind as well that obviously the fiat didn't settle instantly because in Gibraltar as well, they have pound and euro accounts. And some people even have dollar accounts because it's on the cusp of like Europe. And it's also a British overseas territory. So it's like a really complicated financial system. But the Bitcoin, obviously, as we know, settles instantly. Whereas the fiat, I mean, that might settle in three days. It might settle in three weeks. We don't actually know what goes on behind the screen. We just know that the point of sale has said transaction approved. And we're just expected to believe that. Whereas we know that with the lightning transaction, it's properly gone through. So, yeah. It also just goes to show the power of the virality of Twitter, right? Sometimes you can put no effort into a tweet and it'll get, you know, 50,000 impressions. And sometimes you spend hours choosing the right emoji and it flops. And you're like, fuck you, algorithm. <laughs> <laughs> I just had this image of you staring at the screen, swapping through emojis, and your significant other being like, Cardano, Cardano, it's our safe word. It's our safe <laughs> word. Get out, pull out. And you're just like, I can't, I can't. Fortunately, she's in New York right now, so I can select emojis all night long. We're good. <laughs> you said that so salaciously. Gonna pour a I'm glass of here, wine guys. and. <laughs> what? Oh, I have no idea what that Joe, means. It's probably a good thing that she's not there right now. <laughs> right, well, this would be the end of the relationship. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to ask Joe, we didn't really get a chance to, to talk about this when we were on the news desk together, but. Since we were together on the news desk, we've seen Kanye West in the news every single day at this point. First getting unbanked by JP Morgan, then the Satoshi Nakamoto hat. Now the most recent stuff with him buying Parler. A, do you use Truth Social, for example? B, would love your general thoughts on just Kanye West and the debacle. Man, I mean, I thought P's take yesterday because I tuned in yesterday, um, ah. it was pretty good. You know, that you know, the, the Kanye West story is kind of a non-starter. I don't know if he was wearing it just to, you know, flex a bit, but he has been a Bitcoiner for a long time. And it takes a few Google searches to realize that, oh, okay, this is not the first time that Kanye has mentioned Bitcoin or expressed, you know, his support for an anonymous, a, what are we going to call it? Just, you know, Bitcoin. <laughs> uh, yes. 
Yeah, as for Kanye, I, I am really not like a. I have no idea about him the way that I would do about other like celebrities. Like I listened to a couple of his albums as a teenager, and a few of them as like in my early twenties. But I don't follow him at all. Like in terms of, yeah, I don't. I don't. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> it just wasn't part of my social fabric growing so up. What a, what what do Brits? I always figured Brits had no culture whatsoever. Like zero no culture. modern culture. No Dude, modern we've got culture loads of culture. It's just shit culture. <laughs> modern culture, you guys very clearly lack. And just to be honest, it kind of feels like it's the playbook for all of your culture, which is like, let's just steal and copy the good stuff from everyone else's culture and then bring it back to our our borders. And you know, we'll, I feel quite figured right now. Like, no, <laughs> well, if you're talking about music, then Britain was the, you know, all new music used to come out of Britain. It's now we, we now let less so. Yeah, in, in the past, what, 10 years, we've had like some really crappy genres that have popped up, but they're not very like, they've not exploded onto the world. Now all the music basically comes out of the US, right? Although Africa, African, Africa, Afro beats and you know, African influences are now dominating the UK charts. But we get loads yeah, of Nigerian songs coming through and that's really cool. That's um, and I think that, you know, in 10 years time, it will just be like Afro beats in the chart. Which I'm actually kind of down for because, <laughs> I mean, I, I used to party a lot in the Ivory Coast. And man, those parties are so much better than any like London club. Like it's just so much fun. But yeah, the actual UK culture. Yeah, we're not we're not great on it anymore. Since, you know, the Internet has really taken over. We look way more to America than we do to, to the UK. And on top of that, I, I haven't really lived in the UK for the past five years. So when I go back and hear what my friends are talking about, I'm kind of a bit like, what? And it all seems a little bit fiat to me but maybe it's because it's fiat and uk and i'm less you know in tune with it I'm trying to think of examples for but some yeah. reason go sorry go ahead no i'm terrible at interrupting guests and my co-host uh, i get super excited and then i'm like ah but <laughs> something you just said right he was like yes that's exactly what happens every day. <laughs> silent approval something you said just reminded me like I, i'm very curious like where do you think we are headed as a kind of global community. Let me, let me clarify that. Cause that's an asinine statement or asinine question. No, I, I recently reread the mandibles. I don't know if you've read that book No, uh, on, the, on the list as well as all the other Bitcoin books. Uh, I was going to list my... reading as one of my hobbies, but then my reading is basically Bitcoin books. There you go. No, Mandible, mandibles is excellent. It's so good. Yeah. It's so good. And it's, yeah. yeah, it's so good. And it, it, it's very interesting because of course it does not include Bitcoin. It's separate from that. And I think that actually makes it so much more powerful because it's sort of like, what would the world, what could the world look like? What could a world look like without something like Bitcoin? My question to you is, how do you see the next, or what are the what are the possibilities in terms of how the relationships between you know Russia, China, the US, all the central banks, how do you think those might play out? What are your like top three scenarios over the next five to 10 years? Well, the question, tough three scenarios. I mean, yeah, geopolit geopolitically speaking, I think that we, you know, we in the West are kind of redundant and irrelevant. We're, what, what's the average age now in the US? Like 40, similar to the UK and Europe. We're an aging population. We've got this huge debt burden. We've got these old people that want their state pensions. I don't know if that exists in the US, but, you know, we've got our huge bills for the governments to pay each year. And yet, you know, couple of hundred miles south of me in Africa you've got an average age of like 18 thriving culture 
this like endless, boundless optimism and hope for the future, which just comes naturally from there being young people everywhere, because young people just tend to be a bit more, you know, hopeful because they've got the whole life stretching out ahead of them. So I think we're going to see a real pivot to Africa. And, you know, people talked about this last century that, you know, it's going to be the, the century for Africa and, you know, African culture and export and trade and that sort of thing. But I think that this century, because or thanks to Bitcoin, we're going to see a real pivot and more more focus on African culture influencing american culture influencing uk culture we're seeing snippets of it as i mentioned in, in music already but i think it's going to become more so from i think that yeah we'll get more innovation there and more you know more more inventions let's say i mean just from a population standpoint as well you've got what 220 million people in nigeria like one in five africans are nigerians and they're all pretty young and they've all they're all going to have get married and have kids soon. What does that mean for their economy? That means like new houses, new cars, new fridges, microwaves, all these things which end up in like mass. It's not like not fiat consumerism because people still have to have houses to live in and, you know, microwaves and things to, to, to have in the houses. But that's a huge, huge economic boost. Same with places like Egypt. You know, there's one million marriages last year in Egypt. One million. Like, what does one million marriages even look like? I mean, maybe actually in the US you have that every year anyway. But for me as a Brit, I was like, holy shit, that's so huge. You know, that means one million wedding ceremonies as well as one million new cars, new houses, you know, all these things that you get when you move into a new home together to start a new family together. Whereas the two million the trend, marriages in 2019 in the US. How many? Two million in 2019. Well, there you go. I mean, it just goes to show my my tiny island and it's irrelevant on the world stage. <laughs> Um, you can you can yeah, cross off your bingo cards, listeners. Sorry, it's an, it's an ongoing joke. I always accidentally mute myself when I'm trying to talk. I will say oh. this is the longest you've gone without being muted. Like we're, we're almost at the end of the episode. So, but wait, so you didn't miss. I'm curious, what is the per capita like number of marriages per you know year? For both In like the world, maybe per capita is the wrong term. Like per, you know, uh, what's the ratio of marriages over population? That is a cool question. Q, um, I guess I, mean, I'm I'm, I, I didn't make it clear. I'm looking at you since you have your, your I'm, rule up. I'm looking these numbers up. All right. So you have 2 million marriages a year on the population of about 330 million in the U.S. So less than 1% of the population is getting... Actually, that's not true because a marriage technically should be two. So that's 4 million. So it's a bit more than 1%. Interesting. 1.2% of the U.S. population at the 2 million weddings a year number are getting married. Interesting. Okay. And then, of course, we're talking about a 50 to 55% divorce rate. So, Well, this is it, right? There's more marriages in the U.S. naturally anyway because there's more divorces. Mm, interesting. Whereas, well, I don't know if it would work like that, but you, you assume somewhere like Egypt where, you know, it's, it's Muslim or Islamic country, they're only supposed to get married once, whereas in, you know, Western democracies, people get divorced more often, don't they? Like in France, the divorce rate's like 40% or something. It's crazy high. Wow. I mean, the people US are is like saying Egypt is poor in the comments. Well, yes, that, but that's not my point. The point is where we're going. Yeah. Okay, but yeah, so let's, let's bring it back. Sorry, I distracted us. The, what are the scenarios? Yeah. In terms of, yeah, Russia, China, US, global dominance. dominance. I don't know, man. Yeah, I, I don't know enough about these, these sorts of things. I'm not a macro guy either. Frankly, the, the words, when people start talking about macro, I tend to just switch off. It's not my area of Bitcoin that gets me, you know, gets me out of bed. I'm... You and me. Cool. So then I want to present a few scenarios for you. Go for it. I'm all ears. World War Three has already begun. Who am I shooting? Hear, hear, hear me out on this. Hear, hear me out on this crazy take. But I fully believe 
than when history writes about this period in time. Unfortunately, World War III will have started as far back as 2020 in the history books because World War III is not going to be nation state versus nation state, but rather citizen versus state. Okay. I thought you were going to link it into Ukraine, Russia and be like, you know, that was, you know, so. no, that, that's a, that's a psyop. <laughs> you heard it here first. Original thought. From Q. Exactly. I just, there's a degree was, of this. Was where, it Mike Germano? Did he, did he tell you that? I feel like you have like dice that are like, what's the appropriate conspiratorial response? It's a psyop. Yeah. Contrails. <laughs> flattened out. Well, yeah. Bitcoin you do know this. that all of my takes, I just secretly roll dice, odds say continue down the path, even say take a new course. Fair enough. Like that is how this show is written. <laughs> what's what's the, the argument against this? That, you know, this is nothing new. The, everyone since forever has always thought the world is going to end and the economic implosion was imminent and that, you know, this debt spiral is going to lead to, you know, all, all these doomsayers. It's kind of fashionable right now to be a doomsayer. And to be like, oh, how can governments continue like this? It's like, well, because they've done it forever. They've always been pretty shitty. And <laughs> they're not changing anytime soon. You know, it's not Rizzo, an argument. Rizzo had a really excellent quote that he, I, I'm going to butcher it and not cite where he, cite where he took it from. But it, in that same vein, Joe, of like, you know, humans have lasted through every single quote unquote end of times that have, have come and passed, like we're still here standing, kicking and thriving. So yeah. if there's anything, there's nothing quite as resilient as human and humans and just society in general. Yeah. Now we're civilizations really on the other hand, those, good at mm-hmm. no. no. Okay. But wait, so I asked what are the scenarios? I feel like we never got an answer. We sort of like partially my fault. <laughs> Yeah, we'll well, through. I don't really have a, I don't really have an answer. Right, I'm not right. trying to avoid the question. It's just that I don't, don't have a good. He doesn't well, like your question. Way. He's he's just too nice and polite, like <laughs> no, to actually British, say. This is British culture right now. Yeah. Is, no, I think I thought Brits are a little bit more like direct. Like if you were Canadian, I'd be like, "This is the Canadian in you, just being mm. too nice and polite." But I kind of feel like Brits are a little. No, I, I have a different take. I think what's happened is it's a question that Joe reasonably does not have an answer for. And instead of doing what we do, Q, where you just sort of pontificate wildly and you're like, here's what is exactly going to happen. We're going to ride <laughs> in on the giant lobsters. There's going to be saddles. They'll be made out of leather. Cow leather, of course. There's obviously cow leather. Then Putin will come in. He'll start waving the lifesaver around. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. I hear you. But, I, uh, I got a scenario. I got a scenario for Joe. There's two options, but the third option is death because you are now the last person on earth. There is no living food available However, you stumble across one household that somehow has kept two things in check, a 3D printer with USDA certified printer meat or a USDA certified cricket burger patty. What is happening right now? Which one (laughs) would you prefer to eat? 3D printed meat? Nothing to me anyway. Exactly. Exactly. I, I, like, oh I, I was just saying, it's USDA. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, man! Why didn't you say so? <laughs> All right. So, do you want to eat the three D printed meat or the bug meat? Jokes on you, because I'm vegetarian. <gasps> Fair enough. But yeah. then, you're gonna die, you rickets. Both of these. Well, I, well I, to be honest, if it's if it's a question of survival, then obviously I will eat meat. Like I, I don't eat meat for like environmental reasons or weird, like messed up 
not messed up reasons, you know, for ethical or moral, you know, reasons. But uh, I was actually, I'm going to Mexico in January and I used to live there in like 2013. And you know, the, the crickets there, it's like a local speci- specialty, like chapulines, and they're actually kind of tasty. And I was thinking like, wow, like I wonder where Klaus Schwab got his inspiration from, you know? But yeah, so I, I would actually eat the bugs and I can't wait for that to become a gif or a meme somewhere, you know? Uh, you and P can just go off on your little Bitcoin citadel and eat your bugs in peace and leave the rest of us meat eating Bitcoiners alone. <laughs> uh, there must be other like veggie or vegan Bitcoiners around, no? Yeah, I won't. Do- I learned yesterday that there is a now he has eaten eggs, so he is no longer fully vegan. But there is someone in our midst who has been vegan. And I will, this is I will a relatable only... story for all of our guests watching. There's someone in your midst who was vegan and is now eating eggs. Bernie Sailor is a vegan. Yeah. You heard it first. Right. There you go. My friends, I feel like we've reached the, the natural conclusion of this incredibly exciting episode today. All joking aside, this has been super fun. Joe, I, I, we have not interacted before, but I really enjoyed watching you at the conference. I hope that we get to hang out in person at some point in the near future. It sounds like you're going to pack Bitcoin. If you make it over to Nashville at some point, please, please let us know. We've got Bitcoin Magazine headquarters here. Where can people find you? Where can they follow you? What should they be paying attention to? And P, I want to check out your rabbit hutch. Oh, yeah. Come on. like Don't come to Nashville. I want, I want to check out the yeah. rabbit hutch. Yeah, my, my friend used to keep a rabbit and he called it Biggie Smalls. I, I, what are your rabbits called? Just out of interest. So we have one of the smallest species of rabbit you can get, which is a dwarf holland lop, and one of the largest species that you can get, which is a Flemish giant, which ours is not, but they get about like this big, like the size of a corgi. You can Google wow. it, Flemish giant. That's awesome. So we like to do everything in opposites. It's the only are way. Are you going to eat it? Like, no, we, we thought about it at one point, but they're just like too cute. They're too adorable. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. We would if we had to, but you know, why not? <laughs> I have a legit question and you eat meat like if a cow or a chicken dies of natural causes or do you have to take its life earlier oh no i would just i would just get ill because it's been so long that i haven't eaten meat like when i have accidentally eaten meat i haven't like punished myself and you know like whipped myself for my sins like i stopped eating meat to impress a girl and shut up you're not serious are you yes i am are you still with the same girl at least. Not even. No. <laughs> you played yourself. You played yourself, Joe. <laughs> Tell me your current girlfriend eats meat. And the, and she, Sophie's mum, used to be a pig farmer. So it's like scandalous that she doesn't eat meat. Wow. She was veggie when we started seeing, she was like semi-veggie when we started seeing each other. And then just because I didn't eat meat and... Basically, I stopped eating meat and I just couldn't be able to go back to it. There was a brief period of time when I was dreaming about steak, but man, like, yeah, I just couldn't be bothered. And I just didn't I cannot want wait to... to take you to In and Out. I'm going to take you to In and Out. I'm telling What's you. What's In and Out? Don't even. The best, the best cheeseburger of your goddamn life. <laughs> All right, Joe, where <laughs> sorry, can people sorry, find guys, you? Where can really they stay abreast please. of everything? Yeah, uh, at Joe, no, uh, Joe Nakamoto. Oh, look, it's written on the top bottom left. There you um, go. On Twitter. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to start a TikTok, but uh, I keep putting it off. And yeah, t- Twitter is the main one. Oh, if you have any lovely Bitcoin stories about how you're changing the world or doing something really fun and creative with Bitcoin, please DM me. I'd love to have a chat to you and maybe write about it. Sorry that I'm shilling my Cointelegraph work on Bitcoin. No, that's what we asked yeah. for. It's kind of my job. No, you, you should do your job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
All right, my friends. Uh, like and subscribe, follow, all that stuff. If you have not already gotten a ticket, Bitcoin 2023 is just around the corner. You can use code BM Live to save 10%. And we will see you here Wait, tomorrow. Let's tell them. Let's tell them. So everyone at Bitcoin Magazine had a lot of FOMO and was really upset that they don't have the Satoshi Nakamoto hat that Kanye has now been seen wearing. So you can now buy a cop, buy your own Satoshi Nakamoto hat at the Bitcoin Magazine store and use promo code BM Live to get 10% off of that. Boom. Boom. There you go, my friends. There you go. Mark it ass can, I also we say that, can I also say that it was a real pleasure being on with you boys. Thank you very much for having me on. And um, that was great. I really enjoyed it. I hope I didn't embarrass myself too much, but just like a good amount. And yeah, it was lovely. So thank you. I look forward to meeting you in person, Pete, and to hanging out in, we call it PAC now? PAC Not Bitcoin? LA. No. Yeah. Just, just, we're going to hang out in LA. It'll be a good time, okay. bro. Hang on in LA, bro. <laughs> I'm going to send you a song by a British band that's called Come Out to LA. And you, you okay. might not like I'm going to send you a lot of LA hip hop just so you can like get ready. Sick. Okay. All right. You guys have your homework. Hey, friends. <laughs> we'll see you tomorrow. Same time, same place. Hey, guys. This is Q from Bitcoin Magazine Live. Bitcoin Magazine and the team that brought you the world's largest Bitcoin conference is bringing the mission of hyper-Bitcoinization global with the inaugural European gathering this fall. Bitcoin Amsterdam takes place October 12th through 14th at the beautiful Westergaas venue in the heart of the city. Join thousands of Bitcoiners for three days of curated Bitcoin content that is relevant to the emerging Bitcoin scene in Europe and the global movement. Confirmed speakers include Dr. Adam Back, Alex Gladstein, Greg Foss, Ray Youssef, and many, many more. This will be an immersive conference which includes hands-on engagements at our proof-of-work shop stage, as well as exclusive content for VIP whales in the deep. Bitcoin Amsterdam's exclamation point will be a massive Bitcoin party and music festival that you won't want to miss. The European installment of Sound Money Fest takes place on day three of the event, October 14th, and admission is included with GA and whale passes. Check out all the details at b.tc forward slash conference and use promo code BMLIVE for 10% off. Ticket prices increase on August 21st, so grab your tickets today for €299 for a GA ticket and 3,499 euros for VIP whale passes. The censorship-resistant issue of the Bitcoin Magazine print edition is available now. Grab your copy at your local Barnes & Noble store, or head on over to the Bitcoin Magazine store and use promo code BMLIVE to get 10% off of your order today.